Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 129. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Mike Cardenas. Mike, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I've got my driving gloves on, Mark, driving shoes on. I am ready to go. Oh, that's awesome. Now, do you detail cars with those driving gloves on? <laughs> I do, because you just never know what you're going to be driving. So, you know, imagine trying to drive a Lotus, uh, at least with running shoes. There it's you go. Gonna... There you go. I love it. Mike Cardenas is the master detailer for sweet cars, in addition to being a nationally recognized automotive detailer. He's recognized as one of the top 20 detailers in North America by DuPont Registry Magazine. And he's also a contributing writer for various forums, blogs, and detailing websites. Mike was the first student of the famed detailer Todd Cooper Ryder and the Esoteric Elite Detailers Academy. He's a certified trainer and conducts workshops and clinics for both the public and professionals alike. And he assists car care manufacturers with the development and testing of new products. Mike also serves as a technical car care consultant for clubs, including the Ferrari Club, Lamborghini, and the Porsche Club. So, Mike, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you, so please take a little bit of time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. No, Mark, uh, my uh, beginning started just like every car enthusiast. As a child, you kind of get that bug very early on, and uh, my dad was a big inspiration on that. He was an avid car enthusiast and uh, was into muscle cars. And uh, he worked at General Motors all his life. And wow, he was very into Fords, which I never really understood. That. Yeah, <laughs> you said General would, Motors. <laughs> so he would think her in the cars and would take these. He was a self-proclaimed mechanic. And uh, he would give me these parts to, to clean. As any kid, instead of out riding your bike, you're sitting there helping dad clean car parts. Sure. And um, not that I didn't like doing it, but he found really quickly that if I give him a really dirty car part, wow, uh, that's a really good job. Here, clean this one. And before you know it, I kind of started cleaning these things and it became my niche. And then that moved on to washing the family car, to detailing uh, different, my own cars. And before I knew it, I just kind of found the love for it. And I think you really have some components that you're kind of 
built into that that help you develop your those that skill set. Yeah. And so yeah. if you're a detailer, um, those are some of the things that that you I feel they're very important when they do some of the training. I always talk about what I consider the four P's of detailing. It's something that uh, kind of a philosophy that I've adapted for my work and saying that you know you need passion, you need patience, uh, the performance, and then ultimately the product also helps as part of that component. So those four P's awesome. really help. And so having the passion, that started really early on. And the patience, uh, gosh, you only imagine if a lot of us have ever try to build a, a model car you know, you try to build those little model kits and it takes a lot of patience. Well, I did a lot of that as a kid and I think that really helped me develop the patience part of it. Oh, yeah. The performance part, you know, you're really looking to always improve. You, you just never are content with, with good enough. And, and that's that's one of the components. And ultimately the products, you know, it's one of the things that I always look for. You got to use the best stuff that's out there. But um, yeah, I decided to do... Um, Detailing is a full-on career about four years ago. Prior to that, I've always worked in anything that's automotive-related. So I worked in General Motors myself for a couple of years. Went to work for a car wash company for 15 years, uh, managed that, and then ultimately then came to Sweet Cars and uh, started their, the, the detailing program here. Yeah. Uh, and that's been really great. and been uh, We've had a lot of success with that. So it's been really great. Oh, fantastic. Well, I love your four Ps. That's really great. And you and I share... A little bit of history because I had I started my own detailing business when I was 14 years old and that took me all the way through college and so my passion for cars runs deep and so I learned about well you learn so many things detailing cars you learn how to interact with customers you learn how to do a good job and of course those four P's are fantastic I wish I'd had those back when I was a kid up on my wall to look at as we continue on your journey I always like to start our talks with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success in your career. And it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Mike, take the wheel. You know, I would say, Mark, for an inspirational quote, and I think today we, we see quotes all the time on uh, social media, but I actually had one quote that really stuck out to me. And uh, it's from uh, Sir Henry Royce, and it says, Strive for perfection in everything. Take the best that exists and make it better. If it doesn't exist create it and accept nothing nearly right or good enough. Uh, when I first heard that, and it's actually on my coffee mug, yeah. and I, I see that in the morning and I actually have it posted there in our shop there. And that's something we kind of live by because that really, for us to say, I don't know how many times for a lot of us detailers, you get to a certain point where you're, well, I still have a little swirl here, a little scratch here. It's If you're looking for that, it, you, you have to never accept this. Well, that's good enough. Right. Well, if you're really striving to take your work to a different level, that extra step, taking those extra steps is really very important. So when I saw that quote, and it, it's really one that has just stuck with me every day, every day. Yeah, I love that quote too. It's been one of my favorites for many, many years. It's a great way to conduct your business and your life for that matter. So I love that. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You said you've been around cars your whole life, but is there one pivotal moment that you can think of that you really knew you were a car guy? You know, I did, Mark, and it was funny. I'm from Chicago originally, so Chicago, Illinois, and I remember, I mean, it was a kid of the 80s, and I just remember going downtown. I don't remember the date or anything specific, but we were in the back of the station wagon, and I'm sitting here playing with the 
you know, Hot Wheels car in the back of the little whatever cutouts they have in the back of that, you know, as kids do. Yeah. And all of a sudden I remember this like it was yesterday that the whole car went into a frenzy. And I was kind of late of what was going on and looked out the big side window. And what I saw just completely changed my life. And really what it was, was a Lamborghini Countach. Oh, there it is downtown Michigan Avenue. You're driving at, and I, and I remember seeing that and it looked so alien to me as a vehicle. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like anything I'd ever seen, even having matchbox cars and things that in your hot wheel, it, it never looked like anything of that, although those were pretty wild cars. But when you see it, something like that in person, to me, it just, it looks smaller. It looked wider. It just looks so different. Yeah. And, uh, and I later found everybody was going nuts also because Walter Payton was driving this car. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I could care less who was driving it. I was still drawn by the car. And while everybody's still talking about uh, who's driving it, to me, that car, after that, I was hooked. And, and that's what really started it. Yeah, those cars are fantastic. I had the pleasure of visiting the Lamborghini factory. And the lady who was walking us around, her name is Christina, and she's the curator at the Lamborghini Museum, showed us the first Kutash, which they had in the showroom there. And I said, where did the name come from? Because so many of the Lamborghini names are from bulls, you know, famous fighting bulls. And she said, well, when they took the car out on the roads in the countryside outside of town here, it broke down. And there was a farmer who was kind of walking with a cart in his hay by, and he stopped and looked at the car and he yelled, Countach. And apparently it was a gesture or an Italian word for like, oh my, or that's amazing, or incredible. And that's where the word came from. The test guy got the car running, brought it back, and said, I have the name. So whether that's a true story or not, I would assume she knows what she's talking about. She's in charge of the <laughs> Lamborghini Museum, but that's where the name came from, she told us. so. Well, Mark, I have to tell you that, that, was, that I felt exactly like that. It yeah. was an oh wow moment for me to see that. And it changed it, because after that, I instantly wanted to know what that was and i knew okay it's a lamborghini i'd never heard of it what is it and then and it just started that and i just took in as much of that as i could and became you you kind of build this encyclopedia of knowledge of stuff that you're like well at some point what am i going to do with this but i love these things so much and of course you know i fell in love then certainly uh quickly into ferrari uh and porsche and of course movies are influential so you see a lot of those type of cars and um, you really grow to love that stuff. But oh, that really nice. helped me. So that was a, a really interesting moment for me to to see that. And after that, I was hooked. There was no stopping it. And <laughs> today, now I'm privileged to be able to work with those cars on a daily basis and say, wow, that's in it. I never take it for granted. It never gets old. You yeah. know, you, you, it's, they still take my breath away. You know, nothing, there's nothing like coming into work in the morning and you turn the lights on and Here's this beautiful Ferrari looking, and that's the work of the day. It's just interesting. I just to me, they still fascinate me, and they still they still floor me. They're just amazing automobiles, and to drive them, they can turn any uh, any Monday into a Friday. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I love that. That's great, Mike. What I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, and really crawl under the hood a bit, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career, but more importantly. Share with me how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, Mark, when I first started uh, getting to detailing, one of the things I was going to try to do is to just use one brand uh, to do all of my detailing work. And I thought that would be something ideal. And it just 
you, you find all these different products that are on the market and you feel like, well, I could just use one brand. I tried that and found out that, that it was just very hard to do because there are some limitations to some of the brands in the terms of each product. So maybe one brand is really phenomenal at making a, a let's say a wax or a, a quick detailer spray or a polish, but maybe you need to use a wheel cleaner or something and maybe then it lacks. And, and so what I found out early on was that it was very hard to do that. And so really what came down was just choosing the best of the best of each product line. And what I did is then I adapted different and introduced different product lines into my detailing. After a while, I was able to kind of sort through there because it can be confusing. And I think for all of us, if you go to buy any detailing supplies and you go to a store and you see all these different packages that are out there and these all these terminologies and nano this and this, it, it can be very confusing. And so even for us as professionals, we don't buy a lot of the consumer stuff. But when you go there, you're like, well, what's this here? I don't know what this means and what's this wording? So for me, I really guided myself as to doing a lot of research and then seeking out what would be the best. Now, the best would be is different for everyone. So, for example, if I was to pick a different wheel cleaner, let's say, for myself, I would probably go with the consensus. And I've always kind of watched the market. And then I will narrow it down. And I'll pick three, try them, and really objectively just test these products out and say, out of these three, this is would be my go-to. And so really what I look for is to simplify my um, arsenal of detailing uh, tools, if you will, to, so that it's really simple to use because it's really something that's common that you'll go and some of these detailers open their cabinets and there's hundreds of these products that they probably will never use because they'll just buy whatever's the new and latest and greatest and it just sits there. And uh, that's something that I didn't want to do. I said, no, I want to simplify it and just kind of use the best that's, that I feel is the best for my detail studio and use that. And I've been able to do that. Well, a quick question for you on that, because the other aspect of this is every vehicle is a little different. If you're working on, let's say, a classic car, an older car that doesn't have a clear coat versus newer cars or even very new cars with these really hard ultra ceramic clear coats, I would assume you're having to evolve your arsenal all the time. And with car makers coming out with new and better surfaces that are more scratch resistant, if you do have to take a scratch out, you've got to come up with probably something new or do you even go in and mix products and kind of make up your own formulas at time? And it's a great question, Mark. What I do is we're constantly introducing new products into the detailing studio. Usually about, um, I would I would venture to say every three months, there's something brand new that's our go-to, just about. Because the, the world of detailing is changing all of the time. A couple of weeks ago, just SEMA was just done. And so now you've got this onslaught of, of new products that have come out. A lot of that for us, we've established a lot of relationship with companies that we test products before they're even available on the market. So a lot of these pads or products that are coming out, for example, we've tested them before they're even out into the consumer. So like, uh, let's say you mentioned about the paints and how hard they are. We've been working with a water-based compounded polish that's, I mean, it's phenomenal. There's no dusting, has just phenomenal cut, and you take like 1,200 grit scratches out. And it's changing the game because we're using this before anybody else even has even heard of this stuff. And, and that's kind of what we do. And a lot of times it's just from a company that will send us their product and have us test it. 
and say, hey, um, we really want you to use this. Give us your feedback on it and how can we change it? How can we... And that's really neat because you do get a chance to do that, a uh, chance to try something different and kind of put it through its paces. But a lot of times, if there's a product that's already on the market, we're always looking for something that changes it. And we're simplifying it too because the pain correction process is done now in two steps. And that's kind of a common thing now. Um, years ago, it was this six different steps of, oh, I polished it with three different steps and I did a glaze and did all this other stuff. Uh, things have just become a lot simpler now. But it really, to me also, is is promoting a lot of the products uh, that we feel, I feel really strongly about. And I, I feel really good about uh, genuinely using these and, and saying these are products that I put my stamp approval that I really feel uh, passionate about using. Um, and I keep a neutrality with them because, um, th- like I said, the game is always changing. So you have to watch out if there's something that's no longer good from a certain brand or something you're using. You kind of kind of keep an open mind because um, everybody's always trying to step up their game. And a lot of times they'll come up with something out of the, out of nowhere. And you say, wow, I totally forgot about these guys. And now they've came up with this great product. And, you know, speaking of these glass coats or these uh, clear coats, we're talking about you know, the glass coating industry is something that we've been a part of for a long time. Um, that's changed the game for a lot of details. And, and the consumers right now don't know a lot about that. Everybody's really familiar with waxes and sealants. So for me, adapting these these kind of products. So going back to your question, I was able to go to these different brands and versus just sticking with one now we, you know, have expanded or the range. I've expanded of what I'm using, but still keeping it simple. So even with glass coating, now that's on board, uh, which is uh, just a phenomenal product, and it's a game-changing product, is that you're able to now coat your car with a silica coating that makes it scratch-resistant, lasts for years. You know, that's that's incredible stuff. And there's so many of them because it's like any product that's introduced. And then you have a lot of different me too products and they, they, then the competition just really starts in and there's, you know, eight, nine different brands of, of glass coating products. I condense it to two. I, the two that I have, um, that I feel really strongly about and that I use, um, you know, we do a lot of work with those, uh, 22 PLE being one of them, uh, we do a lot of research and development with those guys. And, and actually I named their, uh, their, their latest, uh, which is uh, ZX, uh, Mystico Elemento. We actually, did that on a Lamborghini at the time when I was testing it. And uh, we were just kind of inspired. And they said, well, you know, if you can find a name for this thing. And I was working with this car. I finally was like, well, we'll do something Italian. And so Mystico Elemento just stuck. And it's phenomenal. You just They're really great products. And uh, I think uh, the, the public will, in the years to come, will certainly start to hear more about it. And I think it will take off and revolutionize. It'll be another thing just uh, in the detailing timeline, such as... Uh, when a wax was introduced or the clay bar or something like that. I, I think these products are here to stay because they've already evolved in just the short amount of time that they've been around. Very cool. Well, that's all really interesting. It could talk about car care forever, but thanks for sharing that. Great challenge, great pivot there to to realize, you know what, I've got to be more diverse. I've got to use lots of different products on these different surfaces and uh, sounds like it's worked great for you. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment about your career, a time when you realized, you know what, I think this is really going to work. I'm going to make it doing this. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. 
you know, Mark, we started Sweet Cars four years ago. Uh, it was something new. And even in our market, it was something brand new. Uh, there was before there's nothing with if you wanted to buy an exotic car, you just weren't going to find it here. And we did something completely different. And uh, for us, then with the Internet and that, that, you know, opens a whole world, of course. And uh, with detailing, it was a lot of the same. And I knew going very early on because I'm very passion driven and I knew that, hey, this is going to be the right outlet of what the cars that we're going to uh, our clientele, so to speak. I knew very on, early on that what I wanted to do and I kind of had this goal in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the first time I had had any car that came in and it was a 1986 Ferrari 328 GTS. And uh, the client had bought this car original uh, right out of the uh, dealership. When he bought the car, it hadn't been detailed ever since. Hmm. And brought it here and said, hey, you guys are you know, new in town and you're dealing, detailing and doing all these things. And that was the first time that I said, look, the car is very weathered. If it has these issues, it swirls, needs paint correction, these all these things. It basically needed a restorative detail. And uh, the goal was to make this car look like it would have looked like uh, in 87, let's say. And when the car was finished, when it was done, it took days, obviously, to do that. But when it was done and just seeing the look on that customer's face when he <laughs> picked up his car and said, that is what I remember my car looking like. When I picked that car up, when I bought it, that's what it looked like. And just seeing him getting choked up about it, that's when I knew. said, you know what, we're on to something. This is, this is going to work. This yeah. is going to happen. Because then we can take detailing into a different, different uh, level. It's a little more than just you know vacuuming. It can you can really move some people with the work. I mean, we've had people that have uh, literally cried when they pick up their cars <laughs> and they just get teary eyed about it, and it makes you feel good because you know that you know there's a lot of uh, work that goes into that, and uh, there's three, four, or five days that you went into doing that car, and when they see that, that really there's there's just there's no words to describe that feeling it's just great and the room just fills up with this great emotion and everybody's happy and it it in business you know that it really helps because then it's through word of mouth and right. really in a short amount of time tweakers became uh nationally recognized and then we were getting calls from california and florida and all these other states and saying hey i want to transport my car and do it there and so that was kind of a a way for us to say okay, wow, this is really going to work. And um, we really haven't let off the gas. You know, I really come into it and say um, every day we, we, we still have to strive for that perfection. And that passion is uh, always, you know, you're always filling that tank. So you've got plenty of gas in the, in the, in the, uh, the business to keep going. And uh, you really can't let off of that. And so for us, that's a really, uh, for me, that's a really important component to that. Uh, the passion has to be there. And that's why it's part of my four P's because the passion is the first one. If you don't have the passion, I mean, it's like, imagine if you don't like cars and you're working around cars all day, eh, you're probably not going to last too long in that business. Oh, you yeah. really have to love what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, and so that's that's the, the biggest important component. Very nice. Well, you may have already answered the question here, but I'll give you a fifth P and that would be your proudest business or career moment could you I mean, you probably had many in your career but could you share one in particular with us that was really that proudest moment in your career the proudest moment to me i think is just being able to help other car clubs 
and museums and things of that nature. And we, we help a lot of the local, we have a, a museum here in Auburn and just being able to contribute and help out. That to me, I think is the most rewarding part of it because you're doing something, but you're giving back and, and, and you're giving back to a lot of the car club owners that say, uh, car club members that have a vehicle and you know they really want to, they're the DIY type and want to do their own stuff. And if you're helping them, you're guiding them. And then they send you the, the pictures back of their work. I get a kick out of that. To me, that's that's really rewarding uh, because then it's a it's a series of moments because just to sum it up to just one, it's very tough. But that is, to me, the most rewarding part is knowing that we're making a difference, um, not only people's lives, because you know, people can say something, well, it's just detailing. Well, we've I've kind of always set out to from the very beginning that it could be more than that. It doesn't have to be just a simple task of detailing a car and here you are and here's your keys. Thank you. It's, it's more than that. You can create something with that. We can, you can take someone's baby and really take it to the next or where they never thought they could get that car to look. And that's kind of the neat thing about it. That's that fuels that passion as well, because you're going into it going, I, you know, I'm going to really impress this person when he picks this car, they can't believe it. And that's the biggest thing for us. So for me, when I get that, that's the rewarding part. If I go and help out, uh, do a clinic uh, for a, a car club or something, that's great for that two hours or whatever. Th- those people are looking at it and say, look, now I can make my Ferrari look fantastic. I got this. I learned this and that. And a lot of detailing is also just the education part of it is to be able to educate people on what's going on in, in the detailing industry. Uh, what is actually happening because it is a, an ever evolving um, industry it changes all the time there's always products that are coming out and new and better things for professionals we're on that all the time but most people will see it and say look uh, our timeline is dictated by here's the introduction of the wax here's the introduction of clay bar yeah. here's a you know those kind of things and we're here to educate you know look there are easier ways better ways that you can do things or there's a better product or better technique to do this um and so to me being able to give back that way uh, i love teaching about detailing i love it um it's it's one of the aspects of my job that i i really love it's really there's a lot of as you may know there's a lot of myths out there about of detailing and, and so forth so you know for if we can educate and and inspire people that passion that we have because it is contagious uh, sure. that passion for the automobile and for what we do and even in detail it's very, very uh, contagious. So we have a lot of people. I've inspired a lot of people to even venture to open their own detailing studios, even coming through our clinics. And they say, well, look, you've just inspired me to do this because so passionate. Look, it's something I really want to do. That's when I say, wow, okay, that's a great moment. That's a that's a turning point. And that, we put that in the tank and that keeps fueling that passion because that that is what we like. So I, I love that. To me, that that is it doesn't get better than that. Inspiring lives, one shine at a time. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. My very special car, I would say, and I've had I'm not one of the the, the kind of people that have a bazillion cars through my it's funny because we we, we often share stories in the shop and and uh, you know, you may have somebody that's had thirty cars and some people have at less, but my first car was a 1984 Volkswagen Jetta GLI, hmm. and I instantly fell along with it. Now, not the car that I wanted to buy originally, 
I actually wanted a Camaro and uh, just, you know, wanted a muscle car. I want to do this and, you know, be able to go underneath the hood and start, you know, doing that, that kind of thing. And again, trying to follow in the footsteps of, of, of my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, this will be great, you know. And I bought this vehicle and at first I didn't like it. I just thought, it's like, well, it's quirky and it's, it's, it was the four door, you know, and you're just like, oh, it's not as fast as I wanted it to be. But the first time I drove it after I drove it from, from buying that, when I bought the car, I just fell in love with it. And uh, I had that car for, oh my gosh, 10 years. Just loved that car. Absolutely loved it. And I actually cut my teeth on that car detailing because I polished it so much. I had pain corrected this thing to oblivion. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was probably the shiniest 84 Volkswagen jet out there. And I still haven't seen on it. From time to time, I go online. It's like, if I find one, it's, but uh, unfortunately, I, I had gotten an accident in that vehicle, and it was to be no more. I mean, that, that car to me was um, will always be my special car. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something funny. My wife and I, we've been married 30 years now, and the first brand-new car we bought after right after we got married was that exact car. It was one of oh, those. Wow. Yep. Yeah, we had it for 10 years, just like you did. It was a fantastic car. We really enjoyed it. Had our first child. Uh, with that car, with the you know car seat in the back, and took trips, ski trips, and things in that vehicle. It was a really fun car. And when I traded that car in for her next car, I remember the salesman came out and looked at it, and he opened the hood and he looked at how clean it was. He goes, "Well, when did you have this repainted?" <laughs> and I said, "This is the original paint. I just I'm a maniac. I take care of cars like you wouldn't believe." And so he brought one of his mechanics out, and his mechanic bought it. And when he took one look at, it, he says, "Okay, I know I know what kind of guy this is. I want to buy his car." So, <laughs> yeah, they were fun cars. So we, we share a, a passion there a lo- as well as detailing. That's great. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you could have back? Yeah, I did have one. I, I had a, a Mercedes, uh, I had a C230 compressor that I bought and you it was 2003. And I, I really regretted selling that car. But it was one of those things that you had to mainly because the, the car didn't work anymore. Oh, yeah. So I had to sell it. So I was like, and I really regret it. I was like, I, I still today saying, I wish I still had that car because I really liked, enjoyed it. It yeah. wasn't uh, anything uh, phenomenal in terms of horsepower or anything like that. But I just, I just thought it was great. You know, it was yeah. a, a, a time in my life. So I was like, you know, you, you splurge and you're able to buy yourself your first, you know, uh, uh, car of that kind of uh, caliber. So it was pretty neat for me to do. That was kind of accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, not having that was like, well, I kind of miss that car. But sure. How about current projects? Is there a project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? I do. I've got a, a BMW i8 that's um, a, a client of mine that just recently purchased, and he he's bringing that in. And I'm I'm really excited about it because he's brought it in and uh, had a, he gave me the keys and he was like, "Drive it. You got to drive this thing." Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, I drove it in the two modes, and I'm very very fascinated with it. I thought it was a, a fantastic car because it just seemed like it was something again out of the future. Oh yes, um, very much. And it just didn't seem like something that belongs in our in our time. So I'm really excited to work on that, and I, I think it's just got some great lines on it. I really love cars that are a little more intricate, a little tougher, and I think that's why to me the the exotics speak to me a little more, just because they are that different. Um, they, they just seem to be a lot more fun to work with. Yeah. But uh, it's this BMW. I'm pretty excited about it. So I would be. The i8 is a fascinating new car in so many ways. So you'll have to give me a call back once you're done putting your hands all over that thing and tell me what it was like. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Now, here's a funny question for you. 
there's always a little revealing about people and how they feel about themselves. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? If I was a car, yeah. I would have to say that it's a, that's a great question. Um, but I would have to say I'd, I would be a Porsche 911 Turbo. Oh, why is that? The reason I would say is because it's if I was to relate my personality to that car, it's very consistent. So when you see the first 911s, they may change somewhat, but consistently they look the same. Well, yeah, right. for me, I'm, I've always been this way as a kid and have continued it. And I, I'm still a kid at heart, but I still you know, go through my passion. It, it just kind of this keeps continuing. It's like this consistency. So it, it really identify with that. Those cars are always uh, kind of true to their roots. You know, Ferdinand and Porsche uh, designed these cars. They've maintained true to what the first one was. And I, just like me, I'm really true to my roots. I Where I came from, what I do, I still t- stay true to that every day. And uh, so much like a Porsche 911 Turbo. And the Turbo, just because... Well, it's it's the funnest one to drive. Yeah, <laughs> they the are. Three though, I've I've kind of been I've had a lot of fun. I think the GT3s are phenomenal. But yeah, I would say the 911, uh, the Porsche 911 would be if I was to be a, a car, that's what I would be. Well, I like that, and I there's something else we have in common. I've got an 87 930 out in my garage. That uh, it's a pretty special car. Uh, great fun to drive. I've had many, many 911s, and you're right. They're always kind of the same each year. Each new model gets a little bit better, a little bit better. But I do like the older ones. Um, and the 87 with that uh, turbo lag, you got to be a little careful with it. But uh, <laughs> it certainly is fun. Great choice. All right, Mike, we're entering what I call the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready to go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say know when to follow your heart. So <laughs> whether you're buying a car or something, if you're buying it because you truly love it, then do it. But if you're buying it because you're trying to sell it or do something, maybe your heart might not be the good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you go to enough uh, uh, car auctions and things of that nature, you, you kind of learn that you know uh, there are some cars that if you really, really love it, do it. Yep. Great advice. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I would say my patience. I am very, very patient for everything. (laughs) You have to be when you're detailing cars in many cases. Yeah, that's a great one. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps it's a website or maybe a blog. You know, uh, detailedimage.com has a great blog. And early on, uh, when I was trained with with Todd Cooper writer, um, he turned me on to that blog and he was a writer for that blog and had uh, some of the other guys and now became, uh, they went from becoming colleagues and now friends. So uh, some of the detailers are like DJ Mayo and then Todd would, would go through there and I, and they, they really, for anybody that's starting into detailing or, or maybe just in a detailing enthusiast, they really point out some really great how to's. What I really loved about it, that they're done in a way where they're not, they're not doing it to sell you something or trying to, you know, they're, they're done genuinely where they're saying, look, here's this and here's the products. Would you share a book with our listeners that you've recently read or a book that you've maybe read in your past that you think they would really enjoy? You know, to me, I've always been a huge fan of the How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. <laughs> Carnegie, yeah, and sure. I, I took that class years ago. Uh, I used to work for a company called Mike's Car Washes. And we actually went through this training. It was 12 weeks of this course. It really changed things. And for me, on the 
on, on so many different aspects on customer service and other different things. I, it really helped me. And it's something that I use today, every day, because, you know, you're networking with different people, you go to different car events, you're, and, and, and one of the things in the, in the book, I, I, you know, there's a part of that where it speaks of, you know, knowing when to talk to someone if, as car people are, you know, we, we open the hood and somebody says, oh, that's got 400 horsepower in it. And you know that it's got 380, you know, mm-hmm. it's knowing when to not say anything and let that right. person say it for it. And that's, those are things from that book that I adapt, uh, adapted into my, uh, my life and into my career as well. It is a great book. And it's been uh, recommended by a couple of my guests here on Cars Yeah. So uh, we'll make sure uh, listeners that all these great resources are at com slash Mike Cardenas. And his last name is spelled C-A-R, of course, Car D-E-N-A-S. Not sure if you planned that out, Mike, but that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that the other day. Actually, my wife mentioned something about that. I said, oh, well, it's car your name you have car in your last name yeah yeah well it's like i had uh wayne carini from chasing classic cars on the show and it's car rini so he's got car in his <laughs> name as well so that's pretty cool how about interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars i'm a big uh fan of music and so uh guitar player for oh, years, years i picked that up when i was a kid but i've been playing since uh 1987 i first picked it up and i've done so ever since and that's been a hobby and that's been part where you get into you play the bands and those kind of things but it just it does demand a lot of time and and, and things but um that is uh playing the music and recording it it's a, a huge thing for me I, I love it it's more of a hobby more than anything that's my second passion so yeah. um and it's interestingly enough that i work for the company that uh, we that works with cars and music instruments and things of that nature uh, being Sweetwater Sound is our parent company. So I, to me, it's like, this is a win-win. It's like, you know, are you kidding me? It's like, you get to hang out and work with the cars I love, and then I also uh, get the music part of that. Isn't that funny? There again, there's something else we share in common, my friend. Uh, I play the guitar. I love the guitar. And I just had Chuck Bennett from Zymol Car Care Products on Cars, yeah, a few days ago. And uh, he's heavily involved in his business, starting to become more and more involved in musical instrument care products with their waxes and cleaners and things like that. So you can use a lot of those products on your musical instruments as well. So there you go. Interesting world, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, don't don't take me wrong. I mean, I've glass coated my own guitars now. So <laughs> Yeah, okay. There you go. I love it. Now we're up to the checkered flag. And Mike, this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage... And this is something that you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, but money is no object. What would that vehicle be and why? Oh, that's an easy one for me. <laughs> okay. That would be a 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. That would be my car. Why? You know, I blame Ferris Bueller for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I saw that again, you know, going back to childhood and that and, and what influenced it. You've seen these movie cars. But when I saw that, that was at the time when. I already knew and reasoning about the Ferraris and all this. And uh, to me, that's still, to me, I think it's the most gorgeous car. Um, now, of course, that's controversial. People say, you know, a Ford GT or something different. But to me, uh, that car, money is no object. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it, it's it's just amazing. I had a client that I had a privilege to drive a 67 Ferrari 365 California. There's only... I think for 14 of those cars ever produced and yeah. had a chance. And that kind of gave me just a, a kind of a glimpse of what it would be like to, to drive me that car. And uh, I instantly fell in love with it. They are beautiful, beautiful cars. But 
Yes, I think you broke the bank for me today. Thanks a lot, pal. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. I told you I'd get you whatever you wanted. So we'll start uh, calling all the auction houses and see how many Californians are coming mm-hmm. up here in Arizona here in January. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know McKeel Haggerty was on, on Cars. Yeah, so maybe you might be able to find us something. Yeah, I'll give McKeel a call. He might he might know about that. I've had a few folks from some of the auction houses on as well. So we'll see what we can do. Actually, I think there is one coming up for sale uh, in Scottsdale at the auctions here in January. So we'll keep our eyes open. Mike, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that California spider? You know, I would say your my last final visit, follow your passions. Mm-hmm. You know, that that would be the biggest thing. I think for a lot of us, if we really love automobiles, if you really love something, pursue that. Uh, I, I think that's very important because um, when you're able to work with what you love to do, whether it's teaching or, or what have you, that to me is the most rewarding thing. Um, you know, all of us, obviously, you, you, you work for a, a paycheck and, and that kind of thing. But there's a lot more than that. There's a lot of those intangibles that when you go into work, that to me, it doesn't seem like I'm working. To me, it doesn't seem like work because I love so much what I do every day that it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. The passion is there. And, and I think if you pursue that, if you really love to work in something that that you really love to do, I think that's the, the way to do it um, because otherwise you're always doing the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Um, that's always tough to live with that. So I think if you really love something, just follow your passion. Great advice. And what best way for listeners to learn more about you and your business? Um, they can contact you. Our website is uh, www.sweetcars.com. Uh, and they can also check out the blog that's through that. It's uh, blog.sweetcars.com. Awesome. Great. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Mike has shared with us today at carsyeah.com. You just put Mike in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Mike, I want to thank you again for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. We'll see you, Mark. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.